And now, another in WOMR's parade of outstanding shows. Cape Noir Radio Theatre presents A Tribute to David Wallace This is the life, eh, Morty? Sunshine, the ocean, fishing for blues. Who knows what we might pull out of the depths? Morty? <laughs> hmm. Fell asleep even before he sunk his chompers into his Reuben from Frankie's Deli. Uh, this'll wake him up. Old Tub Sour Mash, his favorite. Hey, Morty, take a whiff. That ain't no jellyfish. Ugh. Jellyfish? Man-eating jellyfish? Oh, not again. Calm down, Morty. That you don't have to worry about. I felt a tug. We might have some action soon. Suits me. I'd like to return victorious, accompanied by a brass band fanfare, with a prize the envy of all the riffraff that populate the docks. Always the dreamer. Me? What about your maternity ward monozygotic twins dream that set your last misadventure into motion? Uh, Ginger woke me up from that one. You got a strike, buddy boy. Indeed I do. Reel the Leviathan in while I prepare to feast upon my exquisite sandwich. Not putting up much of a fight. Feels more like I've snagged something. Well, bring it up to the boat. That's as far as I can pull in the line. Look at that. The surface of the water. Like a linoleum kitchen floor. No wonder you can't pull it in. Why don't you reach down and grab it with your hand? But the tiles are solid. Well, look again. Go ahead. Put your hand through it. You're right. It's more porous than layered jello ice cream in a carnival cup. What have you there, my intrepid aquatic spelunker? A skeleton of some kind. First glance, it could be a colocanth, a.k.a. living fossil fish. But primarily found near the Comoros Islands, off the east coast of Africa. A favorite food is a kraken. Can't imagine how it wound up in these parts. Kraken? As in, release the kraken? Isn't that a myth embraced by conspiracy wingnuts and UFO abductees? Think again, ye disbeliever. I would have thought that your last case, the Island of Deadly Enchantment, might have mitigated your thinking on such matters. Uh, my money's on a human skeleton. Hmm, on closer inspection. You're right, my boy. It is a human skeleton. In fact, it's your skeleton you're holding up by the neck. Looks under the limit. No meat on the bone. Well, throw it back. Try again. Frank? Frank, are you there? Um, yeah, I think so. Were you dreaming again, Frank? Well, what else would I be doing at six o'clock in the morning? What is it this time? Man-eating jellyfish? Uh, speaking of that, I was dreaming about a dream I had with Morty in it. We were fishing and I... Frank, Morty's in the examiner's office. Yeah, I know. He's the coroner. He works there. He's not working, Frank. What's he doing? Enjoying his favorite Reuben on a lunch break? Listen to me, Frank. 
Morty's gone. Put your pants on and get down here. There's something you need to see. You see what I'm talking about, don't you, Frank? Yeah, I see something that doesn't look right. I need you to help me get to the bottom of this. No doubt. You know, it seems like yesterday, the first time you and Morty met at the dock. Yes. Yes. We're about to embark in search of the island of deadly enchantment, which proved to be quite an adventure for us. All right, everybody, here we are. My friend Morty's fishing boat gassed and ready to roll. Hoopkins, you know him. Ginger, this is the coroner, Morty Elburton. Morty, Ginger Wells, City Council Anti-Corruption. Welcome aboard the Gone Wishing. She is my faithful, seaworthy lady. Frank, how long have I known you? Too long. We've done a lot of favors for each other, but this one... Come on, Morty, we need you. Besides, I saved you from a man-eating jellyfish. I highly doubt that. You took advantage of me while I was in the throes of a glorious hangover and fed me that story that a three-headed boy with a headache wouldn't believe. Now you're asking me to motor out into the harbor and onto the ocean in the dead of night with a policeman, a city councilwoman, and you, a private investigator, in search of a magical island full of evil that may or may not exist looking for a missing teenager who may or may not even be there. There's no way Harbor Patrol is going to provide me with a boat to chase an urban legend. So I appreciate your generosity. It's up to us, buddy boy. You've got my boat and me for a few hours. Pay in advance. Two bottles of Old Tub Sour Mash and a Reuben from Frankie's Deli. Bottled and bond, baby. Hmm. The best sandwich in the city. Griddled seedless rye with juicy pink shingles of corned beef layered like a Rita Hayworth hairdo. Hey, uh, I'm getting hungry. Shut up, Hootkins. It's his boat, his sandwich. Frank, we're wasting time. Let's go. We can't lose the tide in the darkness. Hootkins, my boy, I designate you first mate. Shut off! How do we know where the island is? We don't. Then how do we find it? We don't. It finds us. Look. Hootkins, my good man, shine your light to the port side. Captain's report, if you please. A beam of light and uh, some fog. That's not just any fog, mate. Look again. It appears to be a blue mist. Hand me my room and crack open my second old tub to wash her down. Frank, what is he doing? What blue mist? Hey, Morty, I hardly think this is the time to dull your senses with more sour mash. On the contrary, my friend. I'm merely bolstering my courage and honing my senses for a foray into the unknown. Hookins, my lad. Steady as she goes on the searchlight. Once more onto the reach. You know, let's not forget the next time we met at the dock. He was a bit... Uh, smitten with you, I'd say. <laughs> More like smitten with Rita Hayworth. Why, if it isn't the respectable city councilwoman, soon to be Mayor Ginger Wells, specialty anti corruption, perhaps you should apply your skills to forming this ragtag poor excuse for a private investigator. 
not to mention hopeless fishermen. Hello, Frank. Morty. So nice to see you again, Mr. Yelburton. The pleasure is all mine. Welcome aboard the true love of my life, the Gone Wishing. Frank talks all about your fishing adventures, especially the time he saved you from a man-eating jellyfish. Ginger. Frank, do we... Uh, Let's focus on fishing, shall we? I'm excited to join the party. Am I dressed appropriately? Like Rita Hayworth and the lady from Shanghai. All you need is this. Oh. (laughs) Frank, what do you think? Am I complete now? Nothing like a redhead dame in a sailor cap. Tip the brim down a little to the left. Ah, (laughs) Mary Magdalene in a grotto. Except I'm dressed. All right, you two, you're over the speed limit. Let's get on with the fishing trip. Frank, I designate you first mate. Shove off. Frank, what do you say we break character and listen to David in some of his many Cape Noir roles? Uh, good idea, Ginger. For those of you who may not know us, I'm Jay Hagenbuckle, producer of Cape Noir Radio Theater, and my co-host is Nina Schussler, who was a good friend of David's and directed him in many shows at Cape Cod Theater Company, Harwich Junior Theater, while she was artistic director there. You and I play Frank Brand and Ginger Wells in the Frank Brand Private Eye series on Cape Noir. David played Frank's fishing buddy and coroner, Morty Yelburton, in The Island of Deadly Enchantment, and the Lost City. Um, You know, I couldn't resist opening this tribute with a mysterious teaser for the next Frank Brand episode. How about we start with his wheeler-dealer promoter, Lester Swackhammer, in Over a Barrel. You play Annie Edson Taylor in that episode. Let's listen to the scene where I try to convince Lester to believe in my crazy scheme. And we'll crossfade to his speech to the crowd after Annie goes over the falls. Are you Lester Swackhammer, the promoter? In the flesh? Who's asking? Annie Edson Taylor. What's your angle, toots? I'm Queen of the Mist, and I'm going over Niagara Falls in a barrel. Uh, Usually it's the old coots half out of their minds are going for the daredevil racket. I want you to be my manager. Where did you get a lame-brained idea like this, anyway? Lester, I've got it all figured out. Good barrel, good chance. Think about it. A woman climbs into a pickle barrel and goes over Niagara Falls... We make history, we make money. You got my attention. You put the cash up front to build the barrel, promote the event, and line up the photographers. Then we go on tour. All across America, everyone will want their picture taken with the Queen of the Mist and her barrel. Oh, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, see. Don't think too long, because I'll go across the street and sign up with Flecky McGee. I hate that guy. How much money do you owe him? Now... Now look here. <laughs> He's a number one backstabbing son of a gun. His deals are usually 90-10 and you're lucky that you get that much if you get anything at all. You don't want to get mixed up with a screwball shyster like... Like who? Hey, Flecky, buddy! How the heck are you? I was just going over to find a point to that contract uh, with my new star. Where's my money? Uh, Mr. McGee. You see, that's just what I'm getting at here. Hey, hey, hey! I want you to meet Annie Taylor. She's going to make us all rich. Oh, really? Darn straight. How's she going to do that? 
if you don't mind me asking. She's going over the falls in a pickle barrel. Oh, yeah, ponies. She's going over Niagara Falls? Look, Mr. McGee, the first person, a woman, goes over the falls in a barrel. Headlines in all the papers. The, the Niagara Daily, the Cataract Journal, the Horseshoe Falls Gazette, even the New York Times. Then we hit the road on a publicity tour, sell photos, and the money starts rolling in. I'll pay you back twice what I owe you. If she lives. What's the angle? <laughs> no angle, flecky buddy. Just uh, a little startup money is all I need. You know, for the barrel. You gotta have a good barrel and you get a good chance. Payday don't add up to popkiss if we pull a corpse out of the drink. You want more money on top of what you owe me already? Yeah, I, I know I'm a little behind. But this time, it's gonna work. All of it, Swackhammer. With the juice. Compounded daily. I knew you'd see it my way. And uh, don't let the door hit you in the butt on your way out. Yep, we're partners. I have to deal with you and your partner? Just me, Annie. I'm prepared to offer you a hefty slice of the pie. A slice of what pie? There isn't going to be any pie left to slice when he gets through with you. I gotta put up the money to build the thing, promote the stunt, finance the tour, grease a few palms down its town hall. I'm taking all the risks, being your manager. You? I suppose climbing into a pickle barrel and dropping 200 feet over Dollarstone with 600,000 gallons of water pounding you every second isn't a risk. I need to be the first person to do it so people will never forget the name Annie Edson Taylor. What, even if it kills you? 50-50. Are you in or out? What's it going to be? All right, 50-50. Right down the middle. Queen, Queen of, of the, the Mist. mist. Boys, be sure to get our hero as big as life on the front page of all the dailies. Annie Edson Taylor. She made history today, October 24th, 1901. All right, boys, just a couple more shots. Miss Handy, you stand over here. Robbie, hand me Iagra. After all, he went over the falls, too. Here comes the star of the show. I can't One of you guys swum the rapids, and I know the great Bondini took a ride in a velocipede over a tightrope. But I ask you, fellas, how many went over in a barrel? Huh? How many? I'll tell you how many. None. That's how many. It's a brand new chapter in the story of the Daredevils of Niagara. Annie Edson Taylor, Queen of the Mist. Diamond Jack Crawford in The Legend of Amelia May Dunn was one of my favorites. The villain you love to hate. There you go. A flock of pallbearers dressed respectfully in black to escort your spirit up to heaven. I better stop right there lest they change direction and take you south to a place hotter in Death Valley. I think that's a good idea. Don't you, Mr. Crawford? <laughs> Janie, after all this time of me being here, working hard and looking after things, don't you think you should call me Jackson? Just because Mr. Dunn is dead and buried don't mean a thing has changed around here. You understand? 
You're still the hired hand, and- And what, Janie? Now you two pull the reins in on this nonsense right now. I won't have it. Not standing on Daddy's grave. Janie, I might as well tell you now since there's no sense in waiting any longer. No, you're not. Yes, we are. Jackson and I are planning on getting hitched. I love him. And as sure as the sun rises in the east and sets in the west, I need his help here at the Cinnamon Star. You and I can't keep up with it no more. But does he love you? You sweet ladies will excuse me. I've got some things to take care of in the house. Daniel Dunn, may you rest in peace. Janie, the money. Daddy's life savings. It's gone. It's all gone. Grab that rifle and hurry. Just where you think you're going, Jackson Crawford? I'm taking my pay and my whiskey for all the work I've done around here. You'll do nothing of the kind. <laughs> now, <laughs> come on, sweet Amelia May. What are you going to do with that big old gun? Are you going to shoot me or something? If you don't get down off a buttercup right this minute, give me back my whiskey and my money... And hightail it out of here. Never show your double-dealing, lying, stealing face around here again. I'll shoot you dead. There. I'm off your precious horse. You really going to shoot me standing right here, smiling at you with the love? Now, sweet honey baby girl, you, you look a little stressed. What about all that sugar I gave you? Make you walk on feathers every morning. Please don't smile at me. <laughs> Hell, uh, you don't even know what a trigger is. Ow! Ow! You, you plum shot the ear right off the side of my head. Hmm, was that the trigger, Jack? Oh, you, you ain't seen the last of me by a long shot, Amelia May. Not by a long shot. <laughs> One night, during a particularly heated game of five-card stud... That sure is some kind of ugly hole on the side of your head, Jack. It's a love letter from a lady. And all those little sparkly stones? Diamonds. One of them gems playing cards. And as a reminder of the disfigurement she inflicted upon me, I had them stitched on the side of my head in the outline of my missing ear. Two things, Crawford. I'll call you Diamond Jack from here on, and I'll ask you to show down that hand. Oh, one more thing. Speaking of diamonds, produce that Jack of Diamonds from underneath your coat sleeve. Jack. Did you hear that, everybody? The name's Diamond Jack, and this fella's name is Dead. You played Detective Lovecraft in the supernatural thriller Ichabody and had an interesting rapport with David as Lieutenant Gobert. Yeah, I sure did. You know, I really liked being in these scenes and working on them with him. Let's start with Lovecraft and Gobert at the scene of a grisly New Orleans murder. When I made the scene, I was growing fins. I slogged around in the mud, feeling like humans never emerge from the sea. Gobert, you're not gonna like this. Like it? I wanna marry it. 
murder, in the pouring rain, decapitation. Hell, let's just go flash a girl by the footpath. What do you say? I'm not going to like this. Does a fish have a waterproof head? Voodoo, Gobert. That's what I mean. You say this is a voodoo killing? No, Gobert. I'm saying this is a voodoo investigation. You give me one lousy gumdrop and I'll reconstruct the crime and the events leading up to it. I know, I know. You can tell when their ancestors first came down from the trees. Somebody out there knows something. The killer knows, that's for certain. Well, we don't have the killer now, do we? How do we know this? Because the killer is who we're looking for. So then what the big black and blue trauma do we have, Lieutenant? They passed it to you on a platter. Think, Gobi, think. What is our necessary condition? What is the one thing we have without which we wouldn't be here at all? Gobert, I want the body. You want the body? This body? You want this body? I want to interrogate the victim. Well, here come the choppers. Now we put out a dragnet and seal off the perimeter. I mean, isn't that what you're supposed to do in a situation like this? But uh, he, she, who had slipped through. I'd come to think somewhat fondly of her as sunshine. Goba was officially ticked off. Jesus H. Christ on a crutch! Now I got some dame walking around town with no head, and a maniac who after I got his head screaming all kinds of cuckoo, boogaloo, goobly-gook out his yap! What am I gonna do about that, anyway? I'd like to be more sympathetic, Goba, but you know there's always room for an act like Lady Sunshine in any number of the clubs on Bourbon Street. It's a police problem now. Sure enough is. Look on the bright side. We have the head. This is being recorded. It's 11.30 p.m., interview room B. Lieutenant Gobert presiding. Present our private detective Lovecraft along with his assistant Mary Jane Fontenot, a librarian specializing in matters of the occult. And, and the subject of this interview uh, female head. For the purposes of the interview, she'll be identified as Sunshine. It is Miss Fontenot's belief that the best and only way to determine the identity of the killer is to exercise the perp spirit from Sunshine and communicate directly with the victim herself. This belief is shared by Lovecraft. Considering the headless body is at large and his whereabouts unknown, I say, well, let's have at it. Well, since we're in a thriller zone, let's talk Dracula. Blood of the Vampire. I was artistic director for Cape Cod Theatre Company, HJT's 2009 production. You directed him in many shows while you were there. Tuck Everlasting, Wolf Hollow, The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, to name just a few. He was great to work with, very dedicated to creating his character and really listening to the other actors in his scenes responding in the moment, never phoning it in. Knowing David made my job of writing easier because I would visualize him in each role. I could hear his distinct character voices clearly in my head. He and I talked about doing a Cape Noir version of Caligari. It's one of his favorites. He was awesome as Count Dracula. Creepy, violent, sinister, nuanced, dark, funny, and bloodthirsty. A master manipulator. We were finally able to put together a radio version early in 2023. Let's listen to some scenes. 
We'll start with Harker and a stranger on a carriage ride at night to Castle Dracula. I say there, what's your name? My name is Borgo. Borgo what? Just Borgo. And your name, sir? Jonathan Harker. Mm, You're not from around here, Jonathan Harker. Are you on vacation? Business. What kind of business? Real estate. Been traveling long? I've made excellent time. I left London but two days ago. And I told Nristen Schnell. Excuse me? The dead travel fast. What an odd thing to say. In London we say Godspeed. Godspeed. Hmm. Mr. Harker, where are you headed? I'm on my way to Castle Dracula. Do you know it? The night air is chilled. Here, my friend, drink from this. A sheepskin flask? No, thank you. It's plum brandy. An old family recipe. No. As a traveler in another man's country, you should not cause offense. Please, I would be honored. My father would be honored. My father's father before him would be honored. Sorry, I meant no offense. I suppose a little sip might take the chill out of my bones. Yes, the chill. It can get very cold up here in the mountain pass. <sighs> it smells. My father's father before him. I know, I don't want to offend you. Good Gracious, this tastes like blood. What have you given me? Is that blood? Is that what it is? Take it back, man. Hmm. <laughs> As I said, an old family recipe. <sighs> Welcome to the Carpathians. Driver? I say driver, what is it? You stay here, Mr. Harker. The night on the pass can be uncertain. Mr. Borgo, where are you? I can't see anything through this fog. Everything is fine now, Mr. Harker. The carriage ran over a dead wolf. You see, when a member of a wolf pack is injured or dies... All the others share in its pain, its death. I heard many wolves cry. Cry like a cold fire. Wolves are loyal and devoted to one another. They will even feed, protect, and care for a sick or injured wolf. I have seen a wolf recover from a broken jaw with the help of the pack. Unable to tear chunks of flesh from the carcass... I watched as the others fed and then regurgitated the meat for the injured wolf, just as they would for their own cubs. I don't feel well. I will tell you something else, Mr. Harker. The hunter will use the wolf's loyalty as a way to catch them. They set a trap and capture one wolf, and then the others come to help it. Do you see what happens? The hunter captures the entire pack. This is where my journey ends. Here? In the middle of nowhere? Oh, it's somewhere.
Ah, this is a welcome sight. Yes, refresh yourself, make your toilet. I trust you will find everything you need. When you are ready, your meal will be waiting for you. I am quite hungry, actually. Good. Then I will get it immediately. Should I come down to the dining room? No, 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 no. I will bring it to you myself. You can sup in the comfort and warmth of your own room. I'll have a chance to review these documents while my food is prepared. All right, purchase and sales. Here you are, Mr. Harker. What? I pray you be seated. You just left the room. What is that outside the window? Listen to them, children of the night. What lovely music they make. Do you know anything about wolves, Mr. Harker? I had an interesting lesson earlier this evening. Yes, on the pass leading up to the castle. How would you know that? The pass at night holds many lessons, especially for someone traveling from afar. I hope you will come to appreciate the value of these majestic creatures during your stay here in my home. Cry like a cold fire. Jonathan, you may rise as late as you wish. I'm anxious to conclude our business here. When would you like to meet? There is no hurry, Mr. Harker. I will be away most of the day. So sleep and dream well. Relax and enjoy yourself. Here we go again. I need to shave. My razor, soap and mirror. Now a little laver, razor in hand. I wish the light were better, but... There, I can see my face well enough. Let's start right here on my neck. Supper is ready. Ow! I didn't hear you come in. I don't understand your reflection. You've nicked yourself. I need a plaster. I need to take care of this right now. Let me help you. You should be careful not to cut yourself. You startled me. I didn't see you behind me in the mirror. Why are you touching my neck? There is more danger in this country than you think. That's strange. It stopped bleeding. Ah, oh, tell me you didn't just lick your finger. This wretched mirror has caused the mischief. Hey, give that back to me. It's a foul bubble of a man's vanity. Now what are you doing? Wait, don't drop it out the window. No, no! It's a long way down. Where does this door lead? Stairs to the basement.
What manner of person is this? Sleeping in the basement in a box, a coffin, during the day? The wolf's eyes light a cold fire. He speaks, yet his mouth doesn't move. The wolf cries like a cold fire. Lucy, is that you? Lucy is Adelaide, sister to the other. Look, the wolves sway in a strange, exotic movements. This is Adora. This is Adelia. And this, this is Adelaide. The Trinity is complete. Dracula rises from his coffin and speaks. Adora binds you with a belt of pearls and crystals taken from a silver corpse. Adelia surrounds you with a scarf of ancient silk taken from a jade corpse. Adelaide, no, 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 do not bite him. His blood is not for you. Release him. Release him. The last show you did with David was broadcast in July of 2023. Jimmy Jimmy Pinecone. He played Tommy Lagana, a gangster on the trail of his uncle's stolen money. David was really busy at the time with his job and rehearsals for the Arkansas Bear at HJT. But you know... He came to the studio, set his distractions aside, and nailed all of his scenes, especially the final showdown between Jimmy and Tommy. Who is it? Open up, bright boy. It's Tommy Lagana. Tommy? Uh, what do you want? I'm kind of busy right now. Aw, oh, gee, Jimmy. Did I come at a bad time? Go away. Come back tomorrow. Are you giving your mother a bath or something? Open the door, Jimmy, or I'll kick it in. Tommy, come on, man. Leave me alone. My mother's sick. I gotta take care of her. She's always sick, you moron. Open the door. I'm not fooling around here. Okay, okay. That's more like it. What do you want, Tommy? You never come here. I came to say hello to your mother. I told you, she's sick. Dead tired. I'll just poke my head in her boudoir and say hello. Mrs. Taro! No! I said no, Tommy, and I mean it. Now let's go into the kitchen. Oh, the little fellow's got spunk tonight. You're lucky I don't crack your skull. I'm thinking you got something to hide in here. Maybe your mother's in on it with you. Is that what's happening here? The two of you? In cahoots? What are you talking about? Cahoots? You think I'm an idiot, Jimmy? You think I don't know? Know what? I'm not hiding anything. What, what, what would I be hiding? The money, Jimmy. The money. Money? What money? The money? In the briefcase? Briefcase? The briefcase. The one you found and put in the trash can thinking you were so smart. Well, Jimmy, guess what? You're not smart. You're dumb. I saw you in Ricky's side view mirror while he was distracted playing with my gun like it was a toy he found in a Cracker Jack box. When I went back to get it, hey, it wasn't there. 
First thing I did was knock on the door of that house and ask the nice people who lived there if they found my briefcase in their trash. Believe you me, they didn't. Because by the time I got through asking politely, they would have told me. Especially when I showed them this. The police cult. Get out of my way. I'm paying a visit to Mother Tuttle. No, Tommy. Don't go in there. I said get out of my way. Oh. Would you look at that? Mrs. Tuttle is asleep. Just like you, Jimmy. Only she doesn't have a cracked skull. Mrs. Tuttle. Hey, you. But what do you know? My favorite show. Two in a head. <laughs> and sweet lordy be Jesus, the briefcase. My uncle's hundred G's. Oh, I can't wait to show this to Veronica. She'll be so happy. Right. Ronnie is my girl. And that money, it belongs to me. Why, if it isn't the big hero trying to stand up. One skull crack wasn't enough, Jimmy Jimmy Pinecone. How do you know that name? I never told you. How do you know that name, Tommy? No, you didn't. But your mother did. She told me lots of things about you. Like your little pet name. Where your father keeps his winter underwear. That's right, Jimmy. Doris Tuttle. Your mother. No, Tommy. You. She. No. Didn't do. Oh, yes, we did. She's a real wildcat, Jimmy. An animal. With claws. Don't talk like that about my mother. What I say about your mother is the least of your problems. Don't point that gun at me. Sweet dreams, pinecone boy. One in the gut, die nice and slow. I got what I came for. Veronica, Coconut Grove, here we come. Ghana. Well, what do you know? Bright boy's got daddy's gun. I guess I should have put... Yeah. Two in the head. I remember the first time I met David in mid-1980s. I was playing Lady Macduff to his Macduff in the Scottish play Macbeth. Ah, you're not supposed to say that. (laughs) But go on. (laughs) Anyway, I didn't know David at the time, and we'd be backstage, and I'd be, like, loosening up, warming up, you know, rolling my shoulders, getting into character. And I'd look across the wing, and David would be sitting, leaning against the wing wall, cross-legged, and he seemed like he was asleep. I was always very nervous that he actually wouldn't wake up in time for his cue, so I made one of the other actors go over and nudge him to see if he was awake. 
Now I realized that he was meditating and really getting into the character because whenever he went on, he was full out energy. So he would just kind of snap out of it? He jumped to it and was Macduff. We will, and I will miss David Wallace very, very much. David's body of work is truly inspiring. For 35 years, he performed and worked backstage on nearly 100 productions. Along with the shows we talked about are Treasure Island, Dr. Doolittle, A Christmas Story, and Frankenstein at HJT, Nine Ball, Sideman, A Moon for the Misbegotten at Cape Rep, To Kill a Mockingbird, and Love Letters, Academy of Performing Arts. Now I'd like to read a paragraph written by James Lucas on the Eternal Honoring website. One of David's recent ventures was with the Cape Noir Radio Theater, where he lent his talents to 10 radio dramas, showcasing his versatility and captivating voice. His ability to convey emotion through the airwaves was a testament to his skill and dedication. The resonance of his voice added an extra layer of richness to the narratives, making each radio drama a memorable experience for listeners. And I couldn't agree more with that. Beautifully said. Now, I know this tribute episode is only a glimpse into David's tremendous work as an actor, but I hope it will encourage people to continue to appreciate his friendship and remember his unique talent and work ethic. Joining David in his scenes in order of appearance are myself, Nina, Ed Coppola, Joanne Callum Powers, Tamara Harper, Jack Kerrig, Bruce McLean, Carol Lynn, Matt Kohler, and Casey Clark. David, your memory will live on in our minds and our hearts. Thank you for everything you brought into our lives. We love you. David Cutler Wallace, born New York City, November 3, 1959, passed on November 30, 2023, at his home in West Dennis, here on the Cape.